often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 595. I am your host, Josh Albrecht. Recording again inside the Slapbox penthouse, my trusty sidekick, Agent Fox Mulder. The three-legged kitty cat is laying on the couch right behind me. So far, he isn't chiming in. But it's like an hour till he normally gets fed. So by the end of this, he's going to be freaking out. He's going to be like, Mao, Mao, what's going on? What's going on, man? And then all of a sudden we'll hear the sound of basically, you know, a slot machine. It'll sound like that going off as the automatic feeder feeds him. So that's something to look forward to. <laughs> Uh, yes, but, uh, yeah, currently, uh, I, I guess I just start off, uh, considering what I ended with, like, last week, talking about, I believe it was last week, pretty sure. <laughs> I am currently still employed. <laughs> Haven't lost my job. Uh, it looks that I'm, looks like I'm safe for the moment. <laughs> Uh, only time shall tell, though, or will tell. Uh, <clears throat> don't really have a whole lot more to report on that. That is, uh, I, I have yet to, uh, experience unemployment. Uh, that is the benefit of unemployment, you know, going in there. Unfortunately, um, if I lose my job, I'm gonna have to get another one immediately, because the penthouse bills... They're fucking expensive. I mean, it is a penthouse. (laughs) And uh, unemployment benefits are only, you know, a fraction of what I would normally make. And uh, that's not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. So I'd have to to go get a new job like immediately. I mean, I'd file for unemployment. Because, uh, you know, hey, if I can't get job right away. I'm going to need at least a little something. A little something, something. (laughs) Just uh, a big fat zero is uh, definitely a no-go. But as it is, I'm still employed. And the closer we get to spring, the the, uh, the safer my job should be, theoretically. Because then, uh, you know, construction jobs pick up that sort of thing. Ideally, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, spring, uh, it's, it's winter definitely now, um, here as, uh, we're hitting single, single digits and even like negative temperatures this weekend. And yesterday when I got home, which, uh, when I got in my car, I was leaving work. Uh, the door door was like a little frozen. I had to like break it open. <laughs> Uh, not literally break it, but, you know, just break the... I had to really pull on the door to get it to open. Um, and, you know, that's a sign like, oh, fuck, it's really cold out here. And upon getting home, I, of course, went to check my mail. 
Uh, <laughs> and the mailbox was frozen shut. And uh, when I was tugging on it, I pulled the whole mailbox broke off. <laughs> like fucking shit. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I got to fix a mailbox. I would have fixed it yesterday. Um, they had it mounted on there really fucking weird though. There was a block of wood. It's like, it's a metal mailbox on top of, uh, a stand that I, I believe is plastic. It's not metal. And then there's this weird, for whatever reason, they put a block of wood under the mailbox itself and then put nails in the plastic part and then the nails were just kind of like slammed into the wood. It was really weird how they fucking mounted it on there. And the wood had, I guess, rotted away enough to where like uh, the the nails or screws actually uh, weren't uh, (laughs) holding into the wood anymore when I pulled it. It just snapped right the fuck off. Um, I ended up just laying it back on there for the moment. Hopefully... (laughs) That's what the mail person does whenever they put the mail in it. Um, I'm wondering, though, if, like, a mail person actually broke it off. I mean, it broke off so fucking easy when I went to do that. Like, I feel like maybe they had already done it. (laughs) Anyway. um, So, I was like, oh, fuck. And because of the weird, what they had done to mount it, it was so weird. I didn't know exactly what I should do to fix it. Uh, I, you know, if... I wasn't in like a uh, community of condos here <laughs> with an HOA. I could, you know, just do whatever I wanted to put the mailbox back on as long as the mailbox was back on there and mount that fucker. But, you know, I got to keep it uniform and with the way the, the rest of them are. So it has to at least look like the other mailboxes. So, I mean, uh, I could have just gotten some really big zip ties <laughs> as a quick fix. You know, it was like, it was getting obscenely cold, and it, the next week is going to be like single digits and shit. And like, I don't want to be out there trying to fucking mount a mailbox. <laughs> like the proper way. <laughs> but I got some uh, mounting strips. It's just adhesive that I could stick it on there. Problem is with those that... Uh, you really needed to be like warmer <laughs> for it to stick. So I don't that seems kind of out of the question at the moment. I need to find I guess a quick a really quick fix that's easy to do considering how fucking cold it is. I guess I could just try to put some other screws in there and do it that way. I need to just take the mailbox off and uh come up with something in the garage there. Figure it out, you know. Again, though, it was very weird what they had done with the screws and the wood. I don't, uh, I, I don't understand. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've never had to mount a mailbox before, but I imagine it's not that difficult. <laughs> I just wish it wasn't like one degrees outside. That's kind of the like. Uh, well, actually, it's nineteen right now. It's, it's not too bad at the moment. Nineteen degrees. <laughs> uh speaking of like 19 degrees this it's now right at about 2 years since agent fox Mulder graced me with his presence it was around this time of year uh 2 years ago 
that I went to go for a run. And uh he uh I opened up the door and it was it was around tw- it was maybe 20 degrees outside. Maybe. I feel like it was less than that. It was nighttime. I went to go for like a 9-mile run, which at the time would have taken me about an hour and a half-ish. And uh I open up the door and he's laying up against the door and just kind of leans in. Not bothered by my presence whatsoever. He just looks up at me like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> uh, like, if he, like, he had no problem with me whatsoever. It's like, hey, just trying to get warm, yo. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> and then uh, I I was like, oh, hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, I guess... Uh, if you're here when I get back, I got to figure out something to do with you because I, I, I didn't recognize him. And, and to the best of my knowledge, it wasn't uh, one of my neighbor's cats, though I don't I don't really speak to any of my neighbors, so I wouldn't, wouldn't really know, I guess. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, uh, at least the one neighbor I know has uh, two outside cats. It was not one of those cats. <laughs> and uh, he, he was a stranger to me. He was a stranger. But he seemed to be totally cool with me. He's like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> I'm just keeping warm on your door. And uh, I'm like, oh, fuck. So I, when I went and ran and came back, sure enough, he had not moved. He was in that same exact spot laying up against my door. And then I'm just like, yeah, shit, hey, all right. Um, I, I had hoped, like, well, if, you know, if it was... Theoretically, <laughs> it was neighbor's cat or something, which I figure he was probably there for more than an hour and a half. He was probably there for a couple hours, at least like, you know, two, three hours, just laying up against my door, I figure. I don't know. I mean, no way for me to know that. But I, I just figured he'd been there for a while. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I let him in. And that was that was how uh, we, we came to meet. <laughs> And uh, I didn't notice that he was missing the leg right off the bat. It was, uh, I let him in, and I, of course, I had no intention of uh, taking this cat in. I was like, yeah, you you probably have a home around here. Let's let's find that. And then uh, <coughs> he, he, I let him in because I, you know, again, of course, it was super fucking cold. <laughs> and didn't want the poor cat to die because I had recently seen a couple of dead cats around town. And, uh, you know, I like cats. It was, uh, didn't really want one though. <laughs> didn't really want one. Um, and then, uh, <clears throat> I let him in and I noticed, like, buddy, you're walking funny. Like, your leg all right? And it took me uh, uh, close to a minute to realize, oh, you only have three legs. I'm an idiot. <laughs> but of course, it wasn't like a recent wound. He wasn't bleeding all over the place. It would, it been probably, you know, years since he had gotten it amputated. And, uh, <clears throat> that was, uh, just, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, I called my friend Megan that fosters cats and be like, hey, I got a situation here. <laughs> what do I do? And then, uh, yeah, she uh, took him to the vet, checked him out, and that uh, he was not chipped or anything like that. He appeared to be in good health, and uh, 
they alerted all the local shelters and everything about the find of the cat. We went on, you know, Facebook and everything, tried to find the uh, owners via that way. Um, and then uh, no one uh, ever replied to the uh, Facebook post about the kitty. And uh, and no one uh, contacted the shelters looking for him. So I then I, I was like, I felt bad because of the mainly the missing leg. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like I, I guess I gotta fucking adopt this guy. He, it's like he showed up to me. It was like he showed up at my door, like at my door, and like uh, wouldn't leave. <laughs> and uh, I was like, ah, oh. it, it, it was like he, uh, he was, yeah. <laughs> he found me, and he wasn't gonna let me go. Ah. Uh, the three-legged thing—that really, that really made me feel bad, though. Yeah, and of course, I remember him shitting, uh, shitting in here. He shit in the pet house without, you know, a litter box or anything. I didn't have any of these things. I hadn't had a cat in many years since I had lived with my mother. Although, well, I mean, I guess sort of had cats, like uh, when I lived in in the bunker. They weren't my cats. There were cats in the house. They were uh, Tony's cats. Um, none of mine. But I mean, we lived in the same house, so I mean, they were sort of my cats. I hung out with the cats. I was cool with the cats. I've been around with cats forever. But yeah, that being said, since it wasn't my cats, I didn't have a litter box, and uh, so I had no cat food, no litter box, no nothing. And uh, I I remember I I gave him a little bit of lunch meat because I was like, Hey, are you hungry, dude? I poured him a bowl of, of water. And uh, it didn't take long of him being there, and he's flipping out, uh, meowing all and like walking all over the place. I'm sure you know. I knew what was up. I was like, "Oh fuck!" You know, he's he's looking for a litter box. Old boy needs to vacate. <laughs> and Megan couldn't come get him like uh, immediately, so he was there for several hours without like a litter box and everything. And then eventually, he just. He panicked and then just like shit on the floor, and you could tell like he f- he felt really bad about it. And he was like scared of me after he did it. That's like uh, now if he had to shit on the floor, he'd probably just look at me like, "Yeah, clean it up, bitch." <laughs> but since it was he didn't know me as well then, uh, like he was he was a little afraid. Like, oh no, I shit on the floor. Ah. <laughs> uh. Good times though. Good times. That was. <laughs> and then two years later, he's he's still here. He's still laying right behind me. Probably probably realizes I'm talking about. Him. Well, he's like passed out. Passed out that one. As uh, it's approaching the feeding time, more and more close. We're getting more and more closer. So he's gonna eventually get up and be like, "Mao, Mao, give me that food." Ah. Uh, Going back to like more winter shit though, with like the mailbox breaking off, unfortunately. Um, when I had my first, very first car, the uh, it was an '87 Plymouth Horizon. Um, piece of shit car, but I only paid like a hundred or two hundred bucks for it. Um, it was somebody I worked with was selling it. Uh. I think I had to do a few things to actually get it to where it would pass inspection. And I think I had somebody that 
Also, that was a crackhead at work. Do some work on it because I couldn't afford to take it to a shop. I didn't make jack shit money. I was working at a restaurant. I didn't have any bills either, but yeah, again, I was working at a restaurant. I don't even, I made like right around minimum wage at the time, which I think at the time minimum wage is like, it might have been less than six bucks. It was, it was not much, man. It was, it's fucking ridiculous. I worked at the police for like three years too and still didn't make jack shit when I left. Anyway, um, <laughs> That uh, when I went to get in that car one night uh, d- during a winter night where it was, I don't know how cold, it was, this is, you know, 20-something years ago. Uh, probably getting closer to 30 years at this point. <laughs> no, nah, it'd probably be about, probably be about 22 years ago. It's not quite 30 years. I would say about 22 years ago. I want to say I was probably about 20 at this time. <laughs> 19 or 20 ish and uh so 22 23 years ago almost 24 years ago ah shit quit doing the math josh it's just gonna make you feel older anyway (laughs) i was at uh somebody's apartment and uh i was leaving there again it was nighttime and uh i went to open the driver's side door and the whole handle just snapped off in my hand (laughs) And I was just like, oh, fuck me. And then uh, luckily I was able to open the passenger side door. <laughs> Although, you know what? Maybe it wasn't wintertime. I think it was. But it was it was a shitty little plastic handle. It was waiting to break off. And then uh, that moment I was just like, well, fuck. I guess I'm entering through the passenger side. Well, either <laughs> I would either do that. Which, well, I mean, that, that night I just entered through the passenger side, climbed over all the shit to get into the driver's seat from the passenger side. And then um, from that moment on, I either entered in through the passenger side or I left the window down to where I could just open it from the inside. Um, the, I've never been a fan of uh, leaving my car window down just in case somebody decides to fuck with my car. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've known people that uh, would say like piss in a car if they saw the window down, <laughs> which is good that I knew people like that because I was never uh, brave enough after knowing these people to uh, or one individual that uh, <laughs> I should not leave my car window down. <laughs> it's definitely been like, uh, yeah, I'm not doing that, not doing that. I don't want piss all over my seats. And all that fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, um, that that sucked. I never fi- I never fixed that in the car. From that moment on, it uh, would continue on that way. And uh, that happened in the Focus I had before the Mini Cooper that I currently have. And uh, I did fix that one. That happened while I was doing the podcast. I'm sure I went into great detail. <laughs> It was a pain in the ass to fix that, by the way, too. <laughs> um, maybe the the uh, Plymouth Horizon would have been easier. I don't know. But I doubt it. <laughs> I hated that car. <laughs> well, and it's not that I hated it. I just didn't give a shit about it. 
you know, you don't pay much for it. It's a piece of shit when you get it anyway. It's like, why, why am I going to give a fuck about this car? <laughs> Which is kind of nice because you can do whatever to it. And like, eh, as long as it runs. And then you can somehow get it licensed. It's like, eh, you know. My Mini Cooper, I'm still paying for. And uh, I fret a lot more when something happens to it. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I guess I got to fix that. <laughs> Uh, especially since, you know, I got about two years left of payments left to go on that some bitch. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it is, it is kind of nice to have a POS car, piece of shit car, like the Adam Sandler song, the piece of shit car. Yeah. I don't really need to sing. That's, that seems unnecessary. <laughs> uh, I, you know, with the being warmer, you know, global warming I and and whatnot, climate change does suck. It's fucking with the weather a lot and everything, but uh man, I never liked cold weather. <laughs> I'm okay with it hovering in the thirties and whatnot, maybe even like right at freezing. But when it starts dropping to like the teens, then you know, single digits and negative temperatures i'm out man fuck all that <laughs> i'd rather it be 110 degrees um but i I do realize you know hotter climate is uh is a problem it's you know fucking with all kinds of shit but you know i do like the fact that uh we tend to have typically less and less of these days um unfortunately it looks like the next few weeks are gonna be shit <laughs> it's like winter is here and unfortunately, that means I'm going to have a very high electricity bill. <laughs> Just kind of goes hand in hand. I've been pretty lucky that I made it to basically the second week of January before this shit hits. Um, I mean, I knew eventually we'd have some inclement weather. Um, but... Uh, I guess it was nice saving an electric bill. Well, uh, well, I did, you know. It was nice. It was nice. Now it's going to be like doubling in price. As, uh, I don't plan on like setting up a fire barrel inside here. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, yeah, not, uh, not happy at all. But, uh, when I was a kid though, I loved, loved the really cold weather. I would just wear like fucking layers of, well, hell, there was times like when it snowed, I'd fucking run out my short sleeve shirt. My mom would get all pissed off at me and stuff. For whatever reason, when I was a kid, I loved cold weather. As a, as an old man, as a very old man, I just hated it more and more every year. <laughs> like fuck this, fuck this. I see why old people end up moving to Florida. I don't think I'm pretty sure that will never be me. I don't uh, have any desire to want to even like go to Florida much less live there uh but i i can understand it i can understand it as uh i am you know i'm getting up there in age in the old 40s and uh yeah cold weather just uh, Again, though, like, I mean, I could see myself retiring in Ireland. I, it's just that I don't want, like, the super cold weather. I could never do a Minnesota 
or you know Green Bay or like anywhere up north. <laughs> I guess I couldn't live in Canada. <laughs> That's kind of out of the question. I'd like to go to Canada at some point, but uh, anywhere where it's going to be really fucking cold for a really long time, I'm fucking out. Like uh, Alaska, might be kind of cool to visit there. I'm not fucking, I'm not living in Alaska. It's it's not happening. Um, I do Ireland, though. I do Ireland, and, you know, it never gets real warm there. It never gets, like, too insanely cold either. Um, With the climate change and stuff, the weather's kind of changed a little bit there, but, I mean, it's it's fantastic place. I just feel at home there. I feel at home. So I guess Ireland would be my Florida <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I don't think I can just retire there. I'd have to have some reason why, uh, I'd be able to get like citizenship and whatnot. And I don't really have much money, uh, you know, so I'm really relying on, you know, hitting the lottery or something. If I'm going to really retire in Ireland, I don't have any other plan to actually do it. So, although I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to retire, probably going to have to work till I'm dead. Um, anyway, so yeah, going a little, uh, <laughs> getting a little dark, uh, find a good, trying to find a good segue and it's just not there. Um, on a lighter note, uh, I, uh, watched the Marvel series, um, Echo on uh, the old Disney Plus. Almost said Netflix, but no, Disney Plus, which, oh man, just reminded me of the Netflix show I just, or movie I just watched. Um, That's currently on Netflix, not an actual Netflix. Anyway, not a Netflix movie, you know what I'm saying. Um, Echo. It was an entertaining series. Uh, Not crazy how it ended. I didn't, I feel like I didn't need I feel like the character would have been better, Maya, that being Maya, which I guess she's considered Echo, too. That's, I guess, maybe her hero name? <laughs> but she's kind of an anti-hero. You know, she's going around killing people and shit. I was hoping she would end up more like a Punisher-type character, where there's no, like, superpower sort of shit, and just, uh, just brutalizing people. <laughs> I mean, that would have been nice. Um, but, uh, not quite it. The superpowers, which I guess Echo is in the comics from what I understand. I don't know. I don't, haven't researched it that much. Um, I mean, it's pretty cool that they, uh, found a a woman, which, um, I'd have to look up her name that, uh, plays Maya there. Uh, do, do, do. I'm probably going to mispronounce her name. Alaque Cox. I believe she's actually Native American. Um, she was born in Kashina, Wisconsin, USA. Um, but, 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 it doesn't really... I, w- I mean, she looks Native American. <laughs> I'm just going off that. Um, which, you know, they don't... It, it was kind of cool to to have like a Native American. Um, she's actually deaf and an amputee. And uh, 
it's good that they didn't like find somebody and like just CG that she's like an amputee and and whatnot. Um, I would imagine. Uh, I I'm quite curious to how she got cast into it. I haven't again like done much research in it. Um, but it's pretty awesome that they have like an actual disabled person playing uh like a leading character in any like show or, or movie or anything like that. I mean it just doesn't usually happen. It's usually someone pretending to be. Uh but I would imagine like if you're looking for somebody that is deaf and an amputee that like you probably I mean I don't know. I, I don't go around looking for deaf amputees. Not something I generally do. Um <laughs> but uh I would imagine like the list of people is pretty small and that could, you know, that would want or could act in a, a show or series. Um, apparently too, she was bit in the face, but I mean, I don't know how accurate this information on IMDb is. She did. Oh, it does say she grew up on a men. Uh, I'm, Probably mispronouncing Indian Reservation in Wisconsin. Uh, so yeah, she's she grew up on the reservation. Um, but, but, but what was the thing about the dog? There was oh, she was bitten in the face by a dog as a child, which left a scar on her upper lip. Despite the incident, she is a huge dog lover. I wonder how she feels about cats. <laughs> anyway, uh, like I think she's. She's great, like, uh, like fucking action, and like, ah, no, no, don't play sound. <laughs> uh, and there's some good action and stuff in there, and uh, I believe her as uh, uh, the character she's supposed to be. Unfortunately, I don't like the the route it went with, like the superpowers. This is my main main gripe with it. I like having Daredevil in there, although he's only in spoiler alert. He's only in like the first episode. Um. I like, you know, the Daredevil from the old Netflix series, which is now on Disney Plus. And uh they got D'Onofrio in there back as Kingpin. And uh I was hoping Daredevil would be in a little bit more. Just just a little bit more. Unfortunately he was not. Uh but man, the way it ended with the the powers and where she kinda just made Kingpin Kingpin like confront his anger issues and stuff with her superpowers. I was like, okay, that's kind of lame. <laughs> like, you know, it starts out, she's just, uh, you know, a mur- like going on a murderous rampage. She's uh, upset that her father was killed by Hawkeye of the Avengers. And uh, then she just... Uh, Stumbles upon these powers, and yeah, the powers are the powers are a bit cheesy. I gotta say, I would have preferred like a like had she just gone like vigilante style, or it's just uh, like Punisher esque, which, I mean, she was killing people and stuff. It wasn't very graphic about it. It wasn't like Punisher in that regard. It's worth a watch, though. It's worth a watch. It's got its moments. Um, just mainly, I feel like it could have ended better. Or they, 
I feel like the powers could be better. Um, back to what I was saying before Echo, though, with the whole Netflix thing. Um, I started watching the uh, John Wick number three on uh, Netflix. I haven't. Uh, or when John Wick initially came out, man, I didn't see the first one till after like the second or third one had come out. Um, and I saw like the second one like right after it. Uh, that being said, that movie's got some really good action. I mean, there's some really good action in John Wick. I mean, if you're just like action movies, you, you just want like to see people get slaughtered. Uh, you know, it's a good movie. It's, uh, I got to say, though, I probably prefer Bob Odenkirk, uh, his movie, uh, Nobody, um, which apparently they're making a sequel of. And, uh, I mean, I just love Bob Odenkirk. Um, Keanu used to bug the shit out of me. <laughs> but I've come to know over the years, from what I understand, he's just a super cool dude. And, uh, I mean, I always loved, like, Bill and Ted's, though, and Keanu was in there. And, uh, I I would I remember just getting really annoyed because of the Matrix and like several movies around the time of the Matrix that Keanu was always the one, like he was the one that was gonna save us all and I just never bought into that. I never got bought into uh, the guy from Point Break, like saving the world. Um, <laughs> seems like a super cool dude though. Like uh. Always riding the subway with the, with the regular peeps. Uh, of course, he plays bass in uh, the band Dog Star, which uh, he's actually not that bad of a bass. I know I used to think, I think because of the name. <laughs> I used to be like, ooh, Dog Star. <laughs> yeah, actually, he's a pretty decent ba- bass player. But uh, anyway, <laughs> John Wick. Now, it's, gr- it's good as far as action and everything, but the, the part that... Drives me crazy about John Wick. What is like, I feel like they've made too many sequels. <laughs> One would have been enough. You know, like have the two, like it, it's great that uh, what started it all was, you know, them killing his dog. And just like, he's just going to go off. But as we get further into these, the series of films, you know, there's, they just keep making these John Wick movies now. Which, uh, considering how much action and stuff's in there, it's got to be kind of, kind of different, uh, di- different, difficult. I can't, I can't speak. Uh, let's see here, John Motherfucking Wick. Yeah, there's currently four. I'm seeing if they're. I don't, I don't really see anything about another one. Um, being produced at the moment. Oh, no. Yeah, they're making a part five. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, doesn't really... Doesn't really give any details. Um, but, uh, I haven't even seen, uh... I haven't seen like part four yet. And I honestly, I've got like the last 20 minutes left of part three, but, uh, I feel like I know what's going on. 
The part that really gr- drives me crazy about John Wick is the that it really seems that in the world of John Wick, and I guess this world, that every pretty much everyone is an assassin. And uh, I, I, re- I mean, if this is real life, then uh, I must have missed. I guess I wasn't good enough to be an assassin. <laughs> I never. I, I am not one. Not that I want to be one. But it's like I guess everybody else is an assassin. It really seems that way in the John Wick movies. Like everybody's a fucking assassin, except for John Wick at the very beginning of the original movie. He'd given it up. He's like, no, I'm out. <laughs> that there's just like a never-ending supply of assassins in John Wick, and you got like this whole whole hotel, well, multiple places where they can congregate, and of course, inside the hotel, you can't murder each other. But like, uh, John Wick kind of fucked that up, uh, and. <laughs> That that whole thing is kind of absurd. The whole collective or whatever the hell they're considered of assassins. Uh, but again, man, great action though. And like the the whole scene in part three where uh, you got Halle Berry and uh, Keanu going through and just like offing people left and right. And then uh, Halle Berry's got the, the dogs just attacking people constantly, sicking balls. <laughs> Just brutal. Although maybe I should have paid a little bit more attention to when that scene was happening because I was like eating and doing other shit while also kind of watching it, passively watching, I guess. And uh, the one fellow from uh, Game of Thrones, I don't know the actor's name, but like uh, the guy that Halle Berry took John Wick to go meet with, um... He shot her dog. <laughs> I don't know if it didn't kill it or, uh, but she had like, I thought two dogs that she brought with her. Maybe there was three. Maybe I need to go back and rewatch that. But I know after that scene, she's got two dogs and they were attacking people. I was a little confused by that. Maybe there was three dogs. Maybe I need to <laughs> just go back and see that scene again. Um, but uh, yeah, good uh, like good action though. Good action. Story is a bit bonkers. A bit bonkers. <laughs> a bit unbelievable. I mean, no nobody's stories, you know, a bit unbelievable too. That <laughs> Bob Odenkirk is this master assassin and whatnot. But it's it's an entertaining film. I mean, it's Bob Bob Odenkirk. But I feel like John Wick is just leaning way too much into the absurdity of the reality of John Wick. Like the whole hotel, whole hotel, <laughs> not the ho hotel. Anyway, um, uh, they've got like old computers that they're like, uh, like the old Apple twos and shit that they're using to like run all these, uh, betting lines and stuff or or like, I don't know, betting lines, but like, uh, contracts that are putting up contracts and shit. Like, I don't know why they can't use like newer systems, like a, a tablet or, you know, a fucking just on the phone. (laughs) They're using these old, like app, old, like Macintosh fucking computers and shit. And like, uh, 
Do- I swear they were using like DOS, <laughs> which is a cool aesthetic, but it may it would it really makes no no sense. That but I guess maybe they're just trying to show that this Assassins Club has been around forever, and that maybe they they're just stuck in their old ways. This is just really to drive home that point that they're like they're so stuck in their ways. Soon as they started using fucking DOS, they're like, "This is what we're gonna use forever." Uh, so we're we're going to rely on. I guess it's it's training. They're gonna have to train people because they're gonna be very find very few. I guess secretaries and whatnot. They're gonna be able to go in there and just use like DOS know what the commands all the prompts and everything are <laughs> uh pretty great though pretty great though that they you know chose that um they're entertaining films though i don't want to shit all over john wick i mean it's entertaining stuff and keanu man is he's like gotta be pushing 60 at this point and still like just in damn good shape man that's a, that's impressive <clears throat> But uh, other than that, I'm trying to think what else I've recently watched. I haven't been like finding a whole lot of entertaining stuff. Uh, as uh, I am getting close to finally finishing Dave Grohl's book, I I kind of put it off while I was being sick, and uh, it's definitely a good read if you like, you know fucking even if you don't like Dave you just like stories about like musicians and shit you know it's just he's an inter- got an entertaining uh I mean he can write obviously I mean he's written an insane amount of songs at this point and uh he can write a, a book I feel like he's got a lot more stories that are not in this book though uh I'm not done but done reading it and I feel like <laughs> Dave Grohl's got all kinds of stories and uh, one entertaining story that was in there. Spoiler alert! If you haven't read his book, um, right at the time uh, the Foo Fighters had released uh, their second al- album, "The Color and the Shape," um, Dave Grohl was moving uh, back to Virginia. That's where he's originally from, and. Uh, he had been living in L.A. He spent like a year living in L.A. And uh, he was uh, moving to Virginia. And uh, it was after Taylor Hawkins had joined the band. And it was just him and Taylor driving all the way from L.A. to uh, to Virginia, which is a good long drive. And they decided to take a detour to Texas. <laughs> And uh, go to Pantera's uh, strip club. That Pantera being, of course, the band Pantera. They had their own strip club, as uh, Dave goes into great detail about uh, how cool it was that Pantera had a strip club. And they found this out after uh, Foo Fighters. Foo, man, every time I say Foo Fighters, I want to say it like Christopher Walken. Because, <laughs> of course, he was hosting before uh, when uh, Foo Fighters were on. He's like, once again, Foo Fighters. <laughs> that wasn't a great Christopher Walken. Anyway, <laughs> Foo Fighters. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, so they opened for 
or not opened. I'm sorry. They followed Pantera <laughs> at Ozfest one year. Um, they got um whoever was booking Ozfest offer like, hey, you guys should come play at Ozfest. And uh, in the book, Dave Grohl's like, that's such a horrible fucking idea. Like we were <laughs> like milk toast compared to. All these bands playing fucking Ozfest. You got like Pantera, fucking Rammstein, you know, Korn, like all these new metal bands and shit. And of course, you know, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, and uh, Foo Fighters was not that. Uh, <laughs> and of course, who do they follow? But uh, none other than uh, Pantera, you know, Cowboys from Hell, fucking Walk. Just, uh, and then just, uh, like go from that to learn to fly. Fighters. <laughs> uh, I would like, I would be curious. I, I bet it's probably on YouTube. You can probably, probably find their performance on YouTube. Um, I would be interested to watch that performance though and see how well the crowd reacted. Uh, apparently, you know, they were just like losing their shit after Pantera ready to fucking beat the shit out of some people like yeah fucking Pantera and then uh, all of a sudden uh, you know Foo Fighters Foo Fighters erupt they're gonna rock you uh, <laughs> uh, uh yeah so they because of that show though they became like good friends with Pantera they're hanging out with the Abbott Brothers uh Dimebag of course and uh <sighs> And his uh, brother, uh, shit, <laughs> I I've forgotten his name at the moment. Um, I'm going. Uh, my oldness has. Uh, see here, um, Abbott, the 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 uh, uh Paul Abbott. That's yeah, but uh, Paul, of course, and his brother Dimebag. Which I or Vinny Paul isn't that his name? Vinny Paul is, <coughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, Vin yeah, Vinny Paul, not just Paul. Vinny Paul. I was like, Paul didn't, didn't sound right. Anyway, um, <clears throat> that being being said, yeah. Anyway, Vinny Paul and uh, I, I would just assume him and Dimebag, which I don't remember Dimebag's like real name, but uh. Well, Daryl, I guess. Dimebag Daryl is <laughs> Daryl. I'm fucking retarded. Uh, I don't usually like to use that word. I got to stop using that. I'm not. I'm not Boston from Boston here. Bostonian. Um. Anyway. Uh. Which I'm pretty good about not using that word anymore. Anyway. Uh. So yeah, the Dimebag and. Vinnie Paul are just going like, "Hey, you got you got to stop by our strip club sometime. You gotta, you gotta do it, man. You know, like really party. You gotta go show up at our strip club." And uh, so uh, Taylor and Dave are like, "Fuck yeah, we gotta go to uh, the Pantera strip club." And uh, they show up, <laughs> or well, before like. Hours, I guess, you know, a couple, like a state away or so. Uh, there was a good distance. Um, Dave Grohl had actually left his wallet at a gas station 
uh and uh didn't realize it till they were pretty much in Texas uh where this uh strip club was and uh Dave Grohl was able to get a hold of his people at that point and like get some uh uh new credit cards and stuff but he didn't have ID didn't have ID and uh he showed up with him and Taylor show up at the strip club which you would think okay at this point in time you know Nirvana wasn't that long ago he was the drummer for Nirvana the one that everybody knows because you know there was 10 other drummers i think before Dave Grohl in, in Nirvana but he was there when they hit big and never mind and he was there for in utero when you say the drummer for Nirvana, the one that 90% of the people know is Dave Grohl. <clears throat> you know, if if they're a little bit more of a Nirvana fan, they might know Chad Channing. <laughs> I would hope so, if they, they're familiar with the album Bleach. Um, anyway, uh, they, they show up at this place, and the bouncer there... Uh, or whoever is uh, letting everybody into the club. Or you, maybe I should just read it off this. Here's an article off ultimateclassicrock.com. They have more of a, a story about it. Dave Grohl recalled the time he was refused entry into Pantera's strip club after a 200-mile detour to party with Dimebag Daryl and company. The story showed up in the second installment of, Dave, uh, of Grohl's Dave's True Stories series which he's posting on Instagram to keep himself busy during the coronavirus lockdown, which he would end up in his book. The Pantera incident took place after a festival sometime around 98. Anyone who ever had the honor to hang out with Pantera knows that it was not for the faint of heart, the Foo Fighters leader uh, wrote. First of all, there was never a band more welcoming, more hospitable, more down-to-earth than Pantera. They would welcome you and stuff a beer in your hand, a shot in your mouth, and make you laugh harder than you've ever laughed before until you wound up barfing it all back up and having the most soul-crushing hangover of your life the next morning. When the time came to move on, Pantera drummer Vinnie Paul gave Grohl a card and told him, Dude, next time you're in Dallas, you gotta come by the clubhouse. Grohl's reaction, To my amazement, but not surprise, they had their own strip club. (laughs) Because he and Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins were planning a cross-country drive together, they decided to change their plans to include a stop-off in Dallas. On the way to their destination, Grohl realized he'd left his wallet, which he called Fort Knox, which was a Velcro wallet, (laughs) at a gas station hundreds of miles behind them that made it impossible for them to get into the club. ID, please, the doorman stood there, waiting for me to do that old familiar slap on the back pocket everyone does before whipping out their own trusty Fort Knox. Grohl recalled, shit. I looked at Taylor, uh, eyes wide in shock. He returned my panic expression. All the blood from my, uh, all the blood rushed from my face. Tears welled up in my eyes. I began to tremble with fear. I lost my wallet in Barstow, sir. Uh... Silence, a long pregnant pause that made the ice age seem like a TikTok video. Then the words I most dreaded more than Grim Reaper himself spilled from the doorman sneer. Sorry, bud. Can't let you in without ID. Taylor jumped in and pleaded, but, but, but we're friends with Pantera. 
The man looked up with his cold, dead eyes and growled, Everyone's friends with Pantera. Sorry. With his heart broken into a thousand pieces, Grohl said he never did meet the band in its strip club, though he got his wallet back years later because the owners of the gas station kept it for him. Diamond Vinny had since passed on to the great gig in the sky, but every memory I have of them is a joyous one, Grohl concluded. They are missed by many, but their legacy lives on. They would have been your friends, too. Uh, but uh, I feel like uh, the story in the book is actually a little bit more, like he got a bit more detailed than that. That was, I guess, him spitballing before. I guess that's what led to him just deciding to write the book is those like Instagram posts and, and stuff. And uh, he workshopped it out, I guess, in a way. Uh <laughs> It it is worth a good read though the story uh or the whole book rather. Um, I can't imagine hanging out with Pantera in general, but like at a strip club, that seems seems risky. <laughs> I feel like a lot of bad shit's gonna happen to me hanging out with Pantera at a strip club. Uh, do do do. Oh, is it still around? The, the clubhouse. This is in 2019, so I guess maybe it. Are they closed? Um, oh, it's a golf theme. Okay, this is yeah. It, oh, is the clubhouse closing? This is off of dmagazine.com. Got a tweet last night from a writer friend of mine who also used to be a stripper. She asked if I was going to report on the end of the clubhouse. The golf-themed gentlemen's club off Northwest Highway, formerly co-owned by three-fourths of Pantera. I'm more surprised the fact that it's a golf theme. Was it originally golf-themed? <laughs> I guess it makes sense that the place would cease to be now that both Abbott brothers, Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul, have died. And, okay, it makes sense to ask me uh, because I wrote a book about Daryl, which, my goodness, turns 10 later this year. So it's even more than 10 years now. Uh, and also a feature for the Observer about strip club DJs that uh, heavily featured the clubhouse. I will note here that the idea for doing the feature came about 10 minutes before a staff meeting and was purely suggested as a way to fill out my story list, and I never really had any intention of doing it. The editor at the time, however, loved it at the end of reporting the story, which I swear to you was grueling. I got as sick as I've ever been. I can relate to this. Uh, I have only been to a club of this sort, I think, twice since then. Once to pick up a check from someone donating to my mayoral campaign at another time because Mike Precker, the former morning news reporter and now writer in the residence at the Lodge, invited me and Tim for lunch. We ate in a back room and I fell asleep at the table. True story. That's... Really? That was it? That was the, this is the story? And just so I should know, maybe, but I don't. She says Facebook chatter suggests Saturday night is the last of the clubhouse under its current concept. That's it. I feel like I wasted my time. Uh, I want to see pictures of the clubhouse. Let's see pictures. God damn it. <laughs> uh, doo -doo -doo, this is Wickham Mapia. This is uh, the, the clubhouse, Dallas, Texas. This is a strip bar that 
that's owned by the members of Pantera. You might even see some Hollywood stars now and again. Entrance fee is $20, but you save money on the cost of beer since it's BYOB. Bring your own beer. It's also all nude. Texas law forbid the sale of alcohol at all nude strip joints. Great place to hang out. Oh, check out their prices on Sundays. $10 to get in, $10 for lap dances. Is that still a thing? I wonder if it it really did close or not. As uh I I want I really want to see is, is it really <laughs> I guess it did close. I'm looking at more things it sounds like it, it did close. It was only rated 3 stars. Only 3 stars. You would think there's a bunch of Pantera or there was a bunch of Pantera photos in there. Um, man, I can't. The one shot of the outside is all blurry. It's just a shitty. Well, most of these shots are just shitty photos. <laughs> I was really hoping for. There's some strippers cosplaying. That's pretty cool. They got like a Vader stripper and a Boba Fett stripper. That's interesting. Oh, here's a picture of it. Where look, it's like a newer pick, and it. Looks decent from the outside. The original picture looked really fucking horrible, like a really shitty cheap building. Uh, sadly, it looks like it it did close though. That that's a shame. I mean, I don't really care for strip clubs, but knowing that Pantera at least did own part of it, and looks like there's like a bunch of Pantera memorabilia and stuff, it almost feels like oh, I feel like. Uh, or, or is it still open now? Uh, oh no, yeah, it has closed, according to Yelp. That's a shame. It would be entertaining to. I'd probably go there and be like, "Woo, yeah, Pantera and stuff," and then be like, "Yeah, I'm in a strip club. I don't really give a shit about strip clubs." Which reminds me, I've never. Thankfully, I've never gone to one. I know there's a lot of strip clubs. I've never gone to a strip club that has a uh, that being a, a buffet. I'm looking at pictures here. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if they had a buffet or not. Um, but I, I can say that uh, I've known of many strip clubs that have buffets, and I've never been one to be like, "Yeah, let's go eat at a strip club." That always kind of weirded me out. Like, I don't want to eat food while. Uh, don't get me wrong. I enjoy naked women. I I enjoy the uh, female body and whatnot. But uh, I don't want to eat like sushi off an asshole. That's not really something I want to do. It just seems a very unsanitary to me. <laughs> Have all these naked people and then be eating food. <laughs> I'm gonna get like gonna get chlamydia on my face. <laughs> Which I guess, you know, if you're already shoving, having a stripper rub all over you, I guess what's the difference? Have <laughs> rub all over you, that it, like eat food that they were around. <laughs> but it just it just seems weird to me to have a buffet at a strip club. It's always just seemed very weird. Very strange indeed. Um, and Agent Mulder is still not freaked out. And it's less than two minutes away from his feeding time. He must... He must not be feeling okay. 
Something strange is going on. Something strange in the neighborhood. I don't know who to call. Because I don't have the Ghostbusters numbers. It's, uh... <laughs> it's, uh... It's a dilemma. Um... As far as that, everything else goes, I'm thinking what else had on the the agenda, but uh, not not really a whole lot. Not not a whole lot. As now I'm just like counting it down. It's less than a minute, and I'm waiting for him to flip out at this point to hear the uh, the shit going off. Um, there's uh, a. <clears throat> Now I'm like looking at these pictures of the Pantera <laughs> uh, stri- strip clubs and stuff. Now I'm like getting like flashbacks of myself going to strip clubs in in the the East St. Louis, and uh, wow, there's a new one in Brooklyn. Bottoms up. I am from unfamiliar with that. Did that used to be? Is is Ro- Roxy's not around anymore? Huh. There's Scarlet's Cabaret. I'm unfamiliar with this one. This is make a reserve. Who's going to make what kind of reservation do I need <laughs> at a strip club? Is this another one with a fucking buffet? Yeah, I've been to a strip club in many over a decade. Well, getting close to probably two decades at this point. Oh, there's uh there's there's the food. The food slot machine, he, he took off as soon as he heard the food going. He knows what's up. Uh, what the hell? There's birthday packages? <laughs> I'm like look, looking at this. I'm wondering why this is considered number one. I mean, it just looks like a normal strip club. I'm curious, though, was this? It's, uh, yeah, I don't... Uh, See Scarlet St. Louis. Scarlet's Cabaret St. Louis is located just six miles from downtown St. Louis, and the Midwest Mid, Midwest premier party spot offering after-hours parties with the best and sexiest ladies in the country. From bottle service in one of our luxury VIP rooms to enjoying a Cardinals game, Scarlet's Cabaret is the Midwest number one choice in adult entertainment. Scarlet's Cabaret is over 10,000 square feet of pure fun, offering multiple suites and dance areas, including our famous bed dances and millionaire sites combined with 100s or hundreds of the country. I don't know why I read it 100 hundreds of the country's sexiest women that are second to none. At Scarlet's, we play all kinds of top 40 music and host the best DJs in the Midwest playing your favorite club mixes. Averaging over 60 entertainers on four stages every night, Scarlet's gives you the experience that only you can get here in St. Louis. Come visit our sexy bartenders at the main bar, serving all your favorite drinks with unlimited choices of new and exotic drinks served up by our bar and or delivered to and of the VIP sections or private rooms with bottle service and the entertainers of your choice. 
all with views of all 15 of the 60-inch TVs. That's right, 60-inch TVs. Or enjoy a fight night or a game on our 30-inch wall. Whoever wrote this sucks. Uh, three. Wait a minute. Enjoy a fight night or game on our three hundred inch wall TV. That's a. That's a. There's some fucking size queens over there, man. Three hundred inch. Scarlet's Cabarets, also the home of UFC, Cardinals baseball, and the St. Louis Blues. Have a large party or plan a party bus trip to see us. Bring everyone to Scarlet's. We can customize your party if it's five people or 50 and more. We got you covered with packages and your very own professional VIP host to ensure your night with us is unforgettable. Remember, when everyone has a closing time, Scarlet's will host the largest after-hours party in the Midwest. Mixing the best of both the nightclub and the adult entertainment club. Good lord, there was a lot of run-on sentences, a lot of ridiculousness in that. I I can't. I didn't. <laughs> Ooh, they have live video gaming. That's kind of cool. Test your luck in our gaming room. Scarlet's offers various video gaming options to win the jackpot. Over ten machines available to choose from. Enjoy drinks and if you enjoy your oh, so they you can gamble there. Now that's kind of exciting. I prefer to gamble at a strip club. <laughs> Have naked women around and slot machines. That's <laughs> that sounds way more way more entertaining. You got me. You got me at the fucking slot machines. <laughs> you had me at hello. <laughs> uh, see, looking at the strip club, looking at these women dancing, I could give a shit less. But slot machines? I can slot. <laughs> uh, this takes gambling to a whole another level. I really just need to go to a casino. I haven't been to a casino in quite some time. I don't want to like lose a bunch of money. Just bring like fifty to a hundred bucks, lose that, and then be done with it. And then wait another fifteen to twenty years before I go to a casino. You know, it'll be uh, put it all on black. I'll uh, I'll go to the craps table. Or uh, the roulette. Go to the roulette. I don't know if I put it on black. I'm, I might go red. <laughs> put it all on the line. The hundo. Just wa- go to a casino just to make one bet and then fucking leave. <laughs> it's got to be a bet that would pay out a lot, though. I might have to research a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'm I'm done here. As uh, I... I, I <laughs> After speaking about strip clubs for a while, I don't really have much else to say. So as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.